Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Josh. I am the awesome. Some of y'all are still, you're still telling people it's so wonderful to see them. That's good. That's good. Well, hey, my name is Josh. I'm the spiritual formations pastor here at Radiant Life. Uh, and I have the opportunity to continue with you our series, Awaken, where we explore together the book of Acts. But now we, we, we just sang that song, Oh, Come to the Altar, right? And, I, and the altar is this place of worship. And, you know, we've talked about worship in our series more. But I think it's important that we, we look at worship both in song, which we've just been doing, But when we talk about worship through the word, which is what we're about to do, the actual worship comes in our response to the word. To worship means we recognize the worth of. So we sing about the greatness of God, recognizing that he is in fact great. When we worship through the word, we hear what God has to say to us through his word, and then we have a choice to actually worship through the word it means we respond as though the one who gave us this word is worth obeying. You don't obey this guy right here. <laughs> you obey what God has to say through his word. So that's how we worship through the word. So we want to we dig into that word to see, well, what does it have to say? How, how does this affect the way that we might live our lives Last week, Pastor Ryan wrapped up Acts chapter 5, where we, we see this narrative of the, the apostles, right? These guys that had done life with Jesus, right? Jesus has left. Now they're out there and they're preaching to people about what Jesus did. And they faced opposition for that. You know, last week, Pastor Ryan, he had this little jail cell up here, right? Because as the apostles are going forth in obedience to what God called them to, they faced external opposition. The religious leaders in their city in particular did not like what they had to say. So they arrested them, said, hey, you gotta stop preaching this. But they said, hey, we have to, we have to obey God, not man in this situation. So they continued to boldly proclaim Jesus to the people in spite of this external opposition. Now we're going to jump into Acts chapter 6. If you, if you have your, your Bible or your phone or your tablet, I would encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 6. We're going to spend a little bit of time together just in the first seven verses here where we just talked about external opposition last week. Now we see just a, a little hiccup of internal uh, turmoil, you could say, within the early church. So we're gonna jump into Acts chapter six and and today we're gonna talk about purpose, calling, and gifting. Purpose, calling, and gifting. But Acts chapter six, starting in verse one, says this. In those days, I skipped the slide. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number. So the disciples, the apostles, they're preaching despite opposition and as they proclaim Jesus to people, people respond and the church is growing. People are hearing what they have to say and they're saying, we want in on that. So it says the disciples were increasing in number. It says there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. 
Now, the Hellenistic Jews, these are, are Jewish people who their primary language is probably Greek, right? And they, they may have embraced different aspects of Greek culture, whereas the Hebraic Jews, what their primary language would have been Aramaic. And these were probably people more rooted around the Jerusalem area in that, you know, the, the land of Israel, if you will. Or like they're, they're a little bit more tied to the traditions of the Hebrew people. They're all Jews. And now they're Christians. But they're, they're, they're kind of like, hey, man, this isn't right. They said, our, our widows are being overlooked in the daily food distribution. If you go back to Acts chapter 2, which we talked about a long time ago here. Acts chapter 2, we see this model in the church where they actually demonstrated the one another's that we see in Scripture. If you were here when Pastor Pam talked about community, right, she talked about all those one another's. Right, the way that we are supposed to interact with one another. And some of that is caring for one another. And we see the early church demonstrate this in really cool ways. To the extent that if there was somebody within the church that had a need, and I have something that I can sell, I'm going to sell that, and I'm going to bring the, the, the money from that, and lay that at the apostles' feet is the language that we see in Acts chapter 2. And then that money is used to meet the needs. So what we, what we see is, You've got the church daily taking care of widows. But the, the Jews from that Greek culture were like, hey, we're, we're not being treated fairly. This is something that we have to handle. So how, do, how does the church handle this, this conflict? So the 12, again, these are those, those original disciples of Jesus. There were 12 guys, one of them, Judas Iscariot. After Jesus is arrested and condemned to death, Judas kills himself. They replace him with a guy named Matthias. So they're back to being 12 guys. It says the 12 summoned the whole company. And they said, it would not be right for us, the 12, to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Now, if you're like me, a lot of years ago, like I, would, I actually got upset when I would read this. I'd be like, wait, you're saying that you... You preaching the gospel is, is more important than waiting on tables? Didn't Jesus tell you in John chapter 13 to wash one another's feet? Didn't he tell you to do that? He did, is the answer. <laughs> he says, so why is it you're sitting here saying, well, it wouldn't be right. <clears throat> you know, it wouldn't be right for me to give up preaching the gospel to wait on tables. And it, it almost seems kind of pretentious. But what we're going to see as this kind of plays out is that that isn't the case. The 12 knew what they were called to. They knew the lane that they were supposed to run in. And they said, hey, we know what God has called us to do. We're going to do that. We're not going to let anything else distract us from that. So they said, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, just in case you think waiting on tables was considered grunt work. And hey, let's just pass this off to some bum. That was not the case. It says, brothers and sisters, select from among you men of good reputation. So here's your criteria to wait on tables in the early church. Are you guys tracking with this? Good reputation, full of the spirit, and full of wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. So if you want to qualify to wait on tables, you have to be full of the Holy Spirit, you have to be full of wisdom, and you have to have a good reputation. I don't know if you own a restaurant. Maybe you can start using that as criteria for your wait staff. I don't know if that would be... I bet you your restaurant would change lives. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But they said, hey, we know our lane, but, but this is an important thing. 
We don't want these, these Greek-speaking you know, brothers and sisters to be overlooked anymore. We have to take care of this. This is a real need. So we're going to appoint these, these seven guys, and they're going to oversee all of this. But the 12 continue, and they say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So we know what we're supposed to do. That's what we're going to keep doing. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and what? Full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. So they got their seven guys. They're like, these are the ones that we're going to hand this over to to oversee this distribution. Then they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. More on that here in just a little bit. And so as, as the apostles, the 12, they run in their lane, they set these guys to run in their lane, and everyone's doing what it is they're supposed to do. So the word of God spread, the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. So we look at this, this little chunk of Acts, I would say, what are, what are some things that we can, we can glean here? I, I would suggest to you that, again, a, a big thing that we see is something that's demonstrated later in Scripture, and we'll talk about that here in here a few minutes, right? That, that these different people have different roles to play, right? The, the 12, these, these 12 apostles, they had a specific lane that they knew they were supposed to run in. And these seven guys to oversee the, the distribution to the widows, they had a lane that they were supposed to run in. And I would suggest to you that God has also given you a purpose, a calling, and a gift. If you are in this room today and you're a follower of Jesus, God has given you a purpose, a calling, and a gift. Now, I said this in first service. Originally, when I, when I was putting my slides together, this slide said, you have a purpose, you have a calling, you have a gift. The, I, I, the more I sat in it, though, I didn't like that because it, you know what that does? It, it subtly makes it about us. Oh, man, you have, you have, no, God has given. God has given. It's not about us. It's not about us. But God has given you a purpose. He's given you a calling, and he's given you a gift. Now, I didn't, I didn't write this message to just be a shameless plug for a couple of things that we do here at Rainy Left Church. But we actually believe that thing that I just said, and we want to help you step out in obedience to those things, to the purpose that God has for you, to the calling he has on your life, and we want to see you utilizing the giftings that he has bestowed upon you. So here at Any Life, we do, we do two different things. And, and we actually, you know, uh, you know, Pastor Brandon talks about next steps. That's actually, that's where you would start that process. Because we start to unpack this idea of, of giftings and, and your shape in the next steps experience. But from there, we do a deeper dive and discover purpose. We look at the spiritual giftings that, that God has poured out on you. We look at the, the passions you have, the abilities, all those different pieces, because we want to help you really lean in to your purpose. And Live Scent is all about discovering calling. Who and where are you supposed to bring the gospel? So we have Live Scent that runs. Live Scent, we don't run quite as often. Next time we'll do that is in September. Discover Purpose, we're going to run in May. We run it every other month. 
So it's four Sundays during the nine o'clock service. But we do a, a deep dive into different things to try to help you figure out, hey, what is the purpose God has given me? Because God has given you a what? And a, and a, there you go. I would suggest to you, and, and you'll probably find different definitions somewhere else, but, uh, but they gave me the microphone, so you, you have to hear my definitions. Uh, but I would suggest to you that purpose is your what and your why. This is, this is what you're supposed to do. Calling is your who and your where. We had the opportunity this past week as a staff to sit down with John Freed, who is the, a multiplication director for our region of the Wesleyan Church. And he, he made a statement in our meeting, and it just it stuck with me. It stuck with me. He says, God calls us to people and places. That was a statement. And I, and I wrote that down because I was like, ooh, ooh. Like that's, that just resonated with me. So I say, calling is your, your who and your where. These are the people that God wants you to minister to and the places that God wants you to minister them, to them in. And gifting is your how. This is how you actually accomplish your purpose and your calling. Does that make sense? Yep, all right, you guys are tracking. So... That Acts 6, you know, that's not just something in isolation. We see this idea show up elsewhere in Scripture. And we're going we're gonna to jump into a few different passages here this morning. So if you're taking notes, jot down Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. We're going to read a chunk out of Romans here together this morning where we see this idea show up. Again, the idea that, man, like certain people have certain lanes that they are meant uh, to run in. So we're going to see that play out. In Romans 12, starting in verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Who's distributed it? God has distributed it. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, which, I mean, I, I don't know if we can just take his word for it, so we should probably actually pull the room. Show of hands, like every part of your body does the same thing. Is there anybody in the room where every part of your body does the same thing? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody? Okay. So apparently our reality tracks with what Paul says. He says they don't all have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are how many bodies? One, one body in Christ and individually members of one another. This is a struggle for those of us in a very individualistic culture. Right, But scripture wasn't written in the context of an individualistic culture. They were very communal. It wasn't just about what you did and what affected you because what you did affected everybody else. In the same way, we're part of this body and we, in a sense, we belong to one another. We belong to one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. So this is, again, that idea like, there's a lane, there's a lane, there's a lane, and we're supposed to run in whatever lane we are given. It says we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving, use it with generosity. If leading, use it with diligence. If showing mercy, use it with cheerfulness. What's What's kind of a theme there where we see Paul said, if you have a gift, what are you supposed to do? Use it. There we go. I'll shut my mic off. We can call the service good. He says, you've got a gift, right? Use it. That's important. We see Paul continue this idea of the, the church as a, as a body 
right? And the church being this, this big, like big C church is the, is the wording we would use, right? This isn't just here. We are a local assembly, right? But this is a much greater thing than Radiant Life or Grace or the Methodist Church. Like we're this big worldwide thing. We are the body. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse four, again, if you're taking notes, he says, now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, different lanes for you to run in, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. Who works all of them in each person? God. God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the spirit is given to each person. Each person. How many persons? Each. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room today, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to you. Not just to the the paid staff of the church, not just to the board of elders, not to the volunteers who are super awesome. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room today, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to you. And how are we to use it? So it's right on there. It's not a trick question. It's literally like the next sentence, right? For the common good. For the common good. This gets back to what we talked about earlier. It's not about us. Any gifting that I have isn't for Josh Harama. It's for Mike. And for Tammy. And for Brandon. And for Jeff. The giftings that I have are for others. For the good of others. The giftings that you have are not about you. They are for others. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And this is where we're like, "Uh, he's not going to talk about that, is he? He is. Here's here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. You can't read Scripture. You can't read scripture and be like, oh, yep, Holy Spirit, he's super cool. Uh, gifts of the Spirit, yeah, that's super cool. Except, can we just like sharpie out these last couple that we just read? Because those are kind of weird. That's scripture. It ain't weird. People are weird. Pastor Ryan said this. People are weird. Holy Spirit's not weird. That's a, that's a legitimate gift of the Spirit, is speaking in tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. And... When you read about Paul talking about order in, in, in church and, and the use of the gifts, the gift of tongues and the inter- interpretation of tongues are like this. They don't function without, you, you can't just have one. In a corporate worship setting, you have to have both. Otherwise, biblically, we would, Paul would suggest that we are out of order. We are not using the gifts properly, but they're legitimate gifts. One and the same spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as who wills? As he wills. Holy Spirit is the gift giver. We don't, we don't like, you know, well, hey, if I log enough, you know, time reading my Bible, if I pray enough, well, then I get to get this gift. Nope, it's whatever Holy Spirit wants to, to give. He gives as he sees fit to accomplish his purposes. He's the gift giver, and he distributes them as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by how many spirits? Into how many bodies? Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all given how many spirits? One One to drink. Indeed, the the body is not one part, but many. 
And Paul starts to kind of get into this idea, right? Where, you know, earlier in my life, I would, I would get upset about the way that the apostles responded when this complaint was brought to them. Like, oh, what, you guys think you're too good? But Paul kind of gets into, into this idea of, of some of the differences that we see. He said, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It's not for that reason, any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason, any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? I want you to picture this with me. Just imagine your whole body is an eye. Like just, just get that image in your brain there for just a second. If it's Jeff in the room, because he's thinking about a beholder. I don't know if Jeff's in the room. I don't think he's in the room. But that'd be weird, right? That'd be weird. If the whole body, were, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, who has arranged? God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. He distributes the gifts. He arranges the parts of the body. He is the one who is doing this. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? It wouldn't. You'd just be an eyeball like laying on the floor. And everyone would be grossed out and weird and that's just, that's just, that's odd. As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Go back to what we read earlier. We belong to one another. We need each other. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts don't need. Instead, God, who? God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. There's that idea of one another again. We're all a different part. Now, you're not allowed to turn to your neighbor and tell them you know exactly what part they are. That's, that's an important part, though. Just trust me. That's an important part. Paul, Paul, Paul speaks. It is. Like, trust me, you would be in a world that it'd be, it'd be no bueno. No bueno. All right. Ephesians. And I said that on the recorded one even. Ephesians 4, we see Paul bring this idea up again. He says, and he, get, he himself, speaking about Jesus, Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets and evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that, oh, see, look, it's just these few guys. If I'm not an apostle or a prophet or a pat, nope. There's actually a good reason to say that every single follower of Jesus can function in all of these Though you would have a, a primary, kind of a primary calling. If you want to do a deeper dive into this, we do that in Discover Purpose. Shameless plug. Come Discover Purpose. We'll talk about it. But you see different roles. You see different roles. Paul says, this is what makes up the church. All these different things. So as we read Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Acts chapter 6, which is our, our home base, we see this idea that there is complementary diversity not competitive division in gifting, calling, and purpose. 
So when I got upset that, oh man, what they think they're too good, it isn't about them thinking they're too good for this task. They knew what their calling was. And they wanted to run in that lane. Now, there's a, there's a, a reality that I, that I uh, heard when in, it was in biology class, I think, anatomy and physiology. Anyone, you know, you just love anatomy and physiology class in school? It's actually probably my favorite class. But it's this idea that structure determines function, right? The way something is designed will, will kind of determine what it can do. But, but also built into that is the idea that structure determines limits, so to, to illustrate that, do I have anybody, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at Gibby, but I don't want to volunteer. Is anyone like pretty strong here in the room today? Do I got anybody pretty strong? Yeah, Frank, you're ripped. You, you, uh, my fear with you is you could, you would just, you'd hurt me or somebody else, right? But you know what? Come on up here, Frank. Come on up here, Frank. Come on, yeah, that's right. So Frank, Frank looks pretty strong, right? Can you just, just grab that for me? Grab the form. Just throw a couple of curls around there. Okay. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. All right, you can go ahead. Go ahead and set that down for me. So, so Frank's, he's a pretty, pretty jacked dude, right? He's, he's ripped. So, Frank, I want to I wanna put a challenge out there for you. <laughs> I, have, I have right here in my hand a $100 bill. I am prepared to give you this $100 bill. If you could just go ahead and pick that up for me with your eyeball. <laughs> this, is a, this is a real one. Look, look at it. You can get your counterfeit pen. This is a real $100 bill. So if you just reach down there, grab that, grab that dumbbell for me with your eyeball. Just, okay, you know what? You know what? Maybe that's not fair. That is a little heavy. It's a little heavy. I brought, I got, so... So look at that. We'll just get that 40 pound. That's like one pound. Just go at hundred bucks, bro. Like you, you just grab that. <laughs> you know what? I knew you were. <laughs> Good try. I'm, I'm not going to give you this because I actually, actually need this to like buy groceries and stuff. But like, <laughs> let's give Frank a hand. Let's give Frank a hand. <laughs> You can't pick up weights with your eyeball, can you? Why? Because <laughs> that's not what your eyeball was designed to do. But some of us try to function that way in church. I think there are, there are kind of two ditches on either side that, that we run the, the danger of falling into. On the one side, we're playing, we're playing spiritual gift twister. And we're trying, we're trying to do all kinds of things regardless of whether or not that's our calling, our purpose, or our gifting. That's not real comfortable. You ever, I mean, you ever played Twister? Anybody ever played Twister? How many of y'all, like, you fall over, like, every single time because you're like, I can't do this. But that's what we do. We grab onto this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. And oftentimes, hear me, hear me, it's from a heart that wants to serve. And I, I respect that. But sometimes we grab onto things and that's not the lane we're supposed to run in. And we end up all kinds of, all kinds of twisted. You have a purpose, a calling, and a gifting. But you can't do it all. That'll get you in trouble. Now, the opposite ditch is, is where we're just sitting on the sidelines. 
We're just grandpa right there in the, in the you know, lawn chair. And we're perfectly content to just kind of watch everything go by. I don't think there's even a game happening right there that you can say, he's just sitting out in the field. That's where some of us are at spiritually. We're just off sitting in a field somewhere, not doing anything. Every follower of Jesus has a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. But you have a choice as to whether or not you live into that. But you also need everybody else around you because you're only one part of the body. Paul David Tripp in his book, Lead, says this. It is only when I humbly acknowledge the limits of my gifts that I can surround myself with people who are gifted in ways I am not. Because guess what? If you, if you go through life thinking you can be all to everyone, you're not going to be worried about bringing other people along because you think that you can do it. And sometimes I'm fearful when I speak this from personal experience. Sometimes we get this God complex where we, we do, like we think, well, no, I can do that. And we step into things that were never ours to do. When we begin to recognize our limitations, this is when we, we know, hey, I have to surround myself with the other parts of the body. He says, when we humbly acknowledge the limits of my gifts, I can surround myself with people who are gifted in ways I am not, smart in ways I will never be. I love, I love this illustration, right? I, I saw this once as a pastor, and I probably, I probably talked about this before. Pastor had a giant post-it note, and he drew this big oval. And he asked somebody to come up, and he says, in this oval, right, this, this oval represents everything you could ever know. Like the sum total of, of human intelligence and knowledge is in this oval, Essentially, this is the mind of God. Color in how much of that you think you know. How much do you think you would know? What, how much of that oval would you be coloring in? If we're honest, probably not a whole lot. There are people that are smart in ways we will never be. And they can be strong in areas where we are weak. The gifts I was given... We're never designed to function in isolation from the gifts of others. We need each other. You have a gift. You have a calling. You have a purpose. And that is intricately interwoven with the gifts and callings of those around you. It doesn't happen in isolation. But one of the things that we can glean from these scriptures is that there aren't superior and inferior callings or purposes or gifts. What it all boils down to is are you going to be obedient to the purpose, the calling, and the gifting that you have? It's not about like, oh, well, man, I really wish I could. Nope, nope, nope. Are you going to be obedient with what God has given to you to do? So as we, as we get towards the end here, I just want to ask this question. What is your calling and purpose? Who are the people that God wants you to reach? 
What are the places God wants you to take his name, right? Several weeks ago, we had Pastor Chris Conrad here, and he talked about this idea that as followers of Jesus, we are full-time ambassadors for Jesus. Who are the people that you're supposed to be ambassadors to? Where are the places you are supposed to be an ambassador? What's your purpose? How is it that Holy Spirit actually wants you to, to interact with those people, to reach those people? And then you could add in there that idea of gifting, right? Maybe some of you, you, you don't even know. You're like, I have no idea. I have no idea what my gifting is. Maybe you know, but you don't like it. Maybe you know, it's, but it's just been, it's been lying dormant for so long. You're not even, you're not even sure how to, how to get started. There's a word shared uh, before first service, our, our brother Rod, he shared this word picture, which I really, I really loved. Because he talks about the scripture where it says we're supposed to basically stir up these gifts within one another, right? But he, he used this image of a, of a can of paint. I don't know if you've ever painted, right? But, but before you paint, you should really stir it up. I, I sold paint for seven years. I'm, I'm an expert on this. I can tell you, you need to stir it before you try to apply it. My dad did it even longer, and he would tell, would you tell them they should stir their paint before they, yes, you should stir it before he try. It needs to get stirred up. But have you ever, like, you gone in your basement, and you grabbed, like, that old crusty can of paint? Because you're like, man, I really kind of want to touch up the living room now 10 years later. First of all, good luck. Doesn't work like that. But, but you're like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to stir this up. Man, and it's gnarly. Right? You got some crusties in there. It's kind of hard to stir that bugger up, isn't it? For some of us, that's what Holy Spirit is saying. Man, we got we to stir that up. You're kind of crusty. <laughs> going to bring the big stick for this one. <laughs> We're going to... So maybe you know, maybe you don't. But I want you to wrestle with this, this idea of, of purpose and calling and gifting. Because we said really what it boils down to is a matter of, of, of are you going to obey or are you not going to obey? Like those are, those are your two choices. But it's really hard to obey if we don't know what it is. So I want you to, I want you to wrestle with that. And kind of connected to that, right? Every, every message in this Awakened series, we end with this question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? So I want you to just, we're just going to pause for just a moment. And just kind of reflect a minute and, and just jot down, man, is there, is there something that the Holy Spirit's kind of bringing to the surface? If you're a note taker, jot that down. If you've got your phone, throw it, as Pastor Brandon said earlier, just throw that in your, in your notes app on your phone. But what's Holy Spirit saying to you? You know, if we bounce back to Acts chapter six, at the end, after they've chosen these seven men to, for this particular role in the body, it says this in verse six. It says they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So we're gonna, we're gonna enter into a time of, of prayer here. We're going we're gonna to sing a song, but, but we want to actually make available to you this. There's, it's not that laying out of hands is some magical formula, but you can't get away from this example in scripture. It says, after they've been chosen for this task, before they actually begin, the apostles laid hands on them and they prayed over them. We see in Paul's letter to Timothy, 
Paul kind of exhorts Timothy to, to be faithful with the gifts that he received through the laying on of hands. And I'm not saying it's some formula like, well, if you do A and B, then C happens. But I also say, man, I think there might be something to it. The reality is when it comes to your, to your purpose, your calling, right? The only way that we can really live those out is through the power and gifting of Holy Spirit. So, so it would be a mistake if we all leave here today and think, oh, cool. Yep, I guess I'll just start doing that. And we try to muster up our strength and decide, well, this sounds like a good gift. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.